Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Today's message, Jesus Loves the Bad Girl. I want to tell you one of my favorite stories from the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 7. Two people attended a dinner party with Jesus. On the outside, one looked really good. He was an important person, esteemed by many people. He was a member of society in good standing. The other was not. She had been ostracized because of her choices. Everyone looked down on her and judged her. Let's see Jesus' reaction to these two people who are on opposite sides of society's fence. Luke 7.36, NIV. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. As we pick up the story, Jesus was having dinner with Simon, a man who measures up by society's standards. He is a Pharisee, a religious leader, and they are joined by an uninvited guest, a woman who doesn't measure up. She has lived a sinful life. At first, this may seem odd that she would be present, but it was the custom of the day for the public to sort of wander in and observe what the important people were doing. We don't know much else about her. We can make a few reasonable guesses, though. I bet she didn't come from a family of financial means. No doubt she grew up a victim, never having the privilege of a home that was protective or secure. No one arranged a marriage for her. She lived at a time when there was no education available for women. She had few options and probably turned to prostitution to survive. She had nothing that society considered as worthy, was disrespected by everyone, and no doubt full of shame. My heart goes out to her. She was merely trying to survive in an environment that didn't give her many choices, and for that she was scorned. Likely, she couldn't read and probably knew nothing of Scripture. She probably couldn't articulate a biblical truth to save her soul. She'd never attended Sunday school or a Bible study. But she had met Jesus. I don't know if she'd even had a personal conversation with Jesus prior to this evening. But somewhere, somehow, she encountered Christ. And the truth in Jesus penetrated her hardened shell, her bitterness, anger, and distrust. I don't know if she knew a single Old Testament prophecy about Jesus, but somehow she knew he was her hope. She only knew she was drawn to this man and wanted to be near him. His truth touched her soul, and she was transparent and vulnerable in his presence. And all she could do was weep. Somewhere prior to this dinner party, she had encountered Jesus because she was very intentional 
in arriving at Simon's home. She was seeking Jesus out. She brought something and had a plan. She brought with her a gift of tremendous value, an alabaster jar of perfume. Mark 14:7 tells us the value of this perfume was more than a year's wages. Another indicator of her profession that she possessed such an expensive item. She was invisible in the gathering, on the floor, behind Jesus washing his feet. Her tears flowed over his feet as they mixed with the beautiful fragrance from the perfume. Not only had she risked ridicule and gossip by appearing in public with these acceptable people, but she had further tempted criticism by worshiping Jesus in front of everyone. Let's keep going. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water from my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. It was almost as if she didn't care what they thought of her. Why would this be true? What would compel her to subject herself to the public? She was at the lowest rung of society. They called her a bad woman behind her back. I can't help but wonder how Simon knew who she was. She has no doubt had a tough go of it her whole life. No one has valued her. So what changed her? Something did. Why would she do this thing? Jesus knew. He knew exactly what was happening. He saw her like no one had ever seen her before. Jesus saw her. She probably had been used, taken advantage of, and abused, but never seen for who she was and what she needed. He touched her heart, and she felt things she had never felt before. She felt loved and full of hope. And what was the catalyst? Jesus accepted her. Before the entire dinner party, Jesus praised her actions. He bragged about the unacceptable woman to everyone there. Out of gratefulness, she was compelled to worship Jesus with her whole heart, sacrificing perhaps the most expensive gift she possessed, risking ridicule. She was compelled to come. She knew he would receive her, and she was right. Jesus saw her heart and was pleased. She came in absolute brokenness. She asked for nothing. She only wanted to be in his presence and worship him. And he accepted her. 
But he didn't stop there. He provided for her true need, the one that dogged her day in and day out and threatened to pull her down forever, that truth she knew only too well. I am a sinner. You see, it's not that Jesus didn't know who she was or what she had done. He knew everything. Nothing was hidden from him. But he saw behind the lifestyle and poor choices. He saw her need for mercy. And what's more, he knew he was the only one who could provide for that need. Verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Like all of us, she deserved punishment for her many sins, but he gave her mercy instead because he loved her. And he didn't stop there. It even gets better for the final blessing. He gave her grace, unmerited favor. Verse 50. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman has left her captivity and is on her way to freedom. He saved her from the wretched torment of her soul and replaced it with his peace. She didn't get it because she earned it. He just wanted her to have it, a gift. It was as if he said, oh, by the way, before you go, I'd like to take your darkness, self-loathing and misery, and give you peace in its place. And at that moment, she felt God rain down rivers of mercy and grace upon her tortured soul. God removed her pain, and for the first time in her life, her soul was at rest, and she was at peace. She went home a changed woman. The reason I love this story is because my life was also changed when Jesus saw me. For the first 40 years of my life, I knew Jesus. I worshiped Jesus. But I never knew he saw me, that he knew me. The abuse of my childhood left me feeling like I never measured up. I saw myself as a bad girl, not worthy of God's notice or love. I worked hard and tried to do all the right things and meet everybody's expectations and fulfill everyone's list in hopes that the scales would somehow balance and I would be accepted. Then one day Jesus stopped all that craziness and told me we had some work to do. What ensued was the hardest nine years of my life as he began revealing all the trauma and abuse I had been through. In the midst of all that, however, I began to meet the real Jesus. He came looking for me, not the other way around. With the help of some friends, I began to learn about and experience the power and value of prayer in the healing process. And as I did, Jesus became more than a character in a book. He came alive. He became a real person, someone who knew me and cared about me. He cared enough to reach into my insignificant life and help me. Once I met the real Jesus, I then had what I needed to walk through and receive healing because healing happens in Jesus, in prayer, in a transaction with Jesus. 
I couldn't make these transactions, however, as long as he was only a two-dimensional character. He had to become three-dimensional, a real person. My sense of value was birthed when I realized he saw me and he cared. I meant something to Jesus personally, like a friend does to a friend. It mattered to him that we do life together. I finally began to relate to words of intimacy in Scripture like these selections from Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. Are those not words of intimacy and love? Let your soul drink deeply. As I healed, I realized he is gracious to me. He raises me up. He's near to me. He hears my cry. He preserves me. This changed everything began for me a real and intimate relationship with Jesus. I've been saved for nearly 50 years, but we've been close friends now for over 25 years. Jesus led me through those nine hard years of healing and out to the other side. When we were finished, he led me to a new life in a new place. Soon after that, he began a new ministry and found a place for me in it. What an honor it is to be able to share in this glorious work of helping others find healing and freedom. I am tremendously blessed. I'm guessing the Luke 7 woman was pretty surprised Jesus would single her out for healing, for a miracle, when so many others seemingly more important people were in attendance. She likely saw herself as the least, as I did. How do you see yourself? Jesus sees you too. He knows your story. And he wants you to seek healing and to seek him. Let Jesus see you. Let him speak into your life and work in your heart. He has more love and acceptance for you than you can ever imagine. He is the answer for your true need. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.